Welcome to Work and the Future, a podcast about tomorrow, with your host, Linda Nazareth. Well, hello, and thank you for joining us today. You know, we've talked quite a bit on this podcast about education, because building a solid workforce and a solid economy really go together, and to get either one right, you need to get education right. It's becoming increasingly clear, though, that you know, post-pandemic, or even if there hadn't been a pandemic, we're going to need to rethink education models. We tend to think of education as being a few years after high school, and maybe the odd course to pick up new skills. But, you know, really, we should be thinking much more broadly than that. We need to be thinking about reskilling, retraining, constantly doing this over our lifetimes as workers. And companies need to be thinking about that, too. It can be done a lot of ways, but one that's really gaining traction is by doing self-paced online learning courses. They're already a huge force, and they're becoming a much bigger one. Now, as of 2019, that market was worth about $5.6 billion U.S., and by some estimates, it's expected to get to close to $8 billion U.S. by 2025. That would be really a substantial growth. And to talk about what's driving this market, I have a guest today who's on the front lines of it. His name is Chris Haroon, and he's the founder and managing partner at Haroon Educational Ventures. Now, Chris designs and sells courses on the website Udemy, and to date, he's sold about one million of them. This is on subjects like business and self-improvement. So he knows a lot about the market, why it's growing, and he's a lot to share on the subject. It's a great discussion. Please stay with us. What is driving the explosive growth in self-paced online learning courses? This industry has been growing in leaps and bounds through the pandemic. Looks like it'll grow in future. Well, our guest today is Chris Haroon. He's founder and managing partner of Haroon Educational Ventures. He has sold one million of those courses and counting. He joins me now from San Francisco. Hi, Chris. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Oh, it's great that you're here because uh, I have so many questions about this industry. But you know what? I want to start with something else. I always like to ask guests how they ended up doing what they're doing, because I know you didn't start your career doing this. Yeah, no, no, thank you. So um, there's this great Mark Twain quote, which is the two most important days in your life are number one, the day you're born, and number two, the day you find out why. And so my entire life, I was actually searching for my passion. Um, I worked extraordinarily hard uh, to get jobs at Goldman Sachs, the hedge fund industry, venture capital, et cetera. And my happiest day was always day one, the first day. And then it went downhill. And, and I thought, maybe I'm clinically depressed. I don't know. And I, I think it was because of my insecurities to try to, I don't know, uh, impress other people that I had certain jobs. And so what I ended up doing was on the side, I was working in venture capital full time. And during the evenings here in the San Francisco Bay Area, I started teaching and I started teaching at, at charities, um, you know, places like in East Palo Alto, where the high school graduation rate is only 40 percent, where there's a lot of you know, deadbeat fathers. I don't believe there's such thing as a deadbeat mother. And so I started teaching and it wasn't for the money. Of course, I did it donating my time. And I was so passionate about it and trying to help other people. And it didn't feel like work. And I felt like I found my why at that point. Uh, and so one day I got up and uh, similar to what Sir Richard Branson says, I said, screw it, let's do it. I walked away from venture capital and I told myself, I just want to teach. I just want to be me. And I've never been happier. So then you found your way to teaching and online learning. Yeah. How'd that happen? Sure. 
so what I did was I took um so there's this one course I created uh, for uh, my my students in the Limo Foundation, which is a a charity in East Palo Alto, and I would teach that on Saturdays to the students, and I called it an entire MBA in one day, and the students were between the ages of nine and seventeen, and it was a great experience, and that was in January of 2016, and so the next day on the Sunday, I put up a camera at home and I recorded for eight hours straight and I called it uh, an entire MBA in one course. And I put it up on a website called Udemy and Udemy, it's um, udemy.com. It's, 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 it's an ed tech company where you can host your courses there uh, and they're great. And I didn't think it would do that great. I didn't really care. I was just doing what I'm passionate about. And I'm humbled to say that Business Insider and a bunch of other publications wrote about it uh, and, and the course took off. Um, and so uh, I, I set up a studio here at home um, and that's what I do. I, I teach full time and, and I love it. I'm trying to understand this industry, self-paced online learning, because it seems like it came out of nowhere. I was looking for a history of it and I couldn't find that, but I'm finding huge numbers, how big it is. Now, what's your understanding of what this encompasses? Yeah, so um, I, I think one of the biggest problems with education globally is it's just too expensive and not everybody can get access to it. You know, we, we spend four years uh, doing an undergraduate degree that can cost as much as $100,000. There's 13 hours of class a week, and many people graduate with ridiculous loans, and they didn't really learn anything tangible to make them more successful in the real world. And so what's happened is over the past five years, there's been explosive growth of learning online. And so people can pay 10 bucks, for example, to get a 25-hour course on how to code or how to do anything in business. And you can do it from the comfort of your own home. And, and I humbly believe that in my lifetime, there's only to be 50 universities left because I think most will go belly up because people won't want to go to university unless it's an amazing brand name because they can learn online. The exception, of course, being law and medicine. Uh, and so this is, we're in the first inning the early stages of this multi-decade secular growth story of, of learning from home. I'm glad you said there's an exception in medicine. I, I don't really want to be operated on by some guy who took your one day yeah, course, yeah, yeah. no offense, okay? Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, you were teaching a lot of courses because you have found, obviously, demand for this. Which areas? Yeah, so I, I teach business as well as personal development. And one of the issues with traditional universities, uh, and not all universities, but a lot of them, is you learn theoretical concepts you cannot apply immediately in the real world. Uh, and so a lot of people want to you know, develop new skills online quickly. And so I pride myself humbly on teaching based on my own experience, having worked uh, at Goldman Sachs, the hedge fund industry, the venture capital industry, and even the consulting sector in Toronto at Accenture many years ago. So if you teach students based on real life practical experience, I think it's much more value added because I can teach based on my many failures and small successes as well to help my students humbly become much more successful. So how many countries are you touching with this? Yeah, yeah. So 195 countries. Yeah. Uh, in terms of exposure, it's well under 30% of the United States now. It started out being 95% US, 5% Canada. I'm from Canada originally. Uh, and then it just grew and I've got students humbly in every country, yeah. 
So, okay, let me understand this. You, they take this MBA course or self-development course and they learn skills they apply or do they find it's a good resume item or yeah. what's the draw? Yeah. Yeah. So it's not, it's not resume. It's skills they can apply immediately. So for example, I have a, a course about getting a job and I teach people how to interview and how to write an amazing LinkedIn profile and how to network as well. Um, kind of like how I reached out to you. Uh, over LinkedIn in mail. Yeah. Which I do too. I've actually taken one of these courses, not self-development, but when I, I switched from being a keynote in-person speaker to speaking from home because there's a pandemic, I needed to use live stream software and it was not that easy to pick up, but I did find a course that was really very helpful. So it was just very, very targeted. Yeah. 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 And, and, and these courses are up to date as well. And so I'll speak for the programming courses, which I don't teach, but there's a lot of wonderful programming courses that you can take. It doesn't matter how young or old you are. They're all up to date. You can find them everywhere online to skill up. And that's what people are doing. Now, you say it's not mainly the U.S., but I assume there are people in the U.S. and companies we've heard of or Canada or whatever. Yeah. And yeah. are they encouraged by their employers to take these? Because I know there are some partnerships, right, between these companies and and big names. Yeah, absolutely. So I don't represent Udemy, but I teach on the Udemy platform and they have a product called Udemy for Business or UFB. Uh, and so big companies will sign up subscription contracts with them. Uh, and it's just another benefit, kind of like dental benefits from Manulife in Toronto when I used to work there. That's interesting uh, because, I mean, people still do MBAs online, uh, sorry, MBAs on the weekends or they take their master's degrees or whatever, but I do see this shift. I know even the World Economic Forum has, I believe, a partnership with some of these companies. It's part of the reskilling initiative, right? To, it's quick yeah, and, and even uh, Joe, Joe Biden over the weekend, he announced that he wants to make a lot of community colleges free uh, for Americans. Uh, and so I, I really do believe that every problem in the world gets solved with education. And if it's accessible to everybody online, we all benefit. Now, okay, you mentioned earlier you think universities are going to be over except for big names or whatever else. How are these courses viewed now? Because as you say, it's not a resume item. People still want to say, I went to this Ivy League college or whatever, and and I expect you to respect that. Yeah, yeah. So I personally, this is just me, I I don't believe in accreditation uh, when it comes to business education. Because I think that business education from a lot of these big business universities or MBA degree programs, they don't teach you the most important things in life to make you successful, like how to interview, how to sell, how to present, how to manage your own money. They teach you how to manage other people's money, et cetera. And so I think these big universities are part of the problem, not part of the solution. And I think it's going to take you know maybe one more generation uh, until we tell ourselves, I don't think my children have to get a university degree to be successful in life, unless it is medicine or law. Interesting. Do you have any stories of students you've worked with? Yeah. I mean, I, I, have, I have tons of students that have started companies, gotten the jobs, their dreams. Um, all you have to do is just go to LinkedIn and search for Haroon Education Ventures MBA program, and you'll see a lot of success stories from the students that have taken it. Yeah. Can you tell us about any of them? Yeah. So I, I have one student uh, who just got a job at the Boston Consulting Group. Mm-hmm. Uh, fantastic consulting firm. I, I applied to them uh, in Toronto years ago in BCE place. I got rejected, um, but my student just got a job there, which is awesome. Yeah. 
uh, and there's many other success stories of my students starting companies as well and switching jobs. And all you have to do humbly is just do a search online for my courses uh, and read the reviews, of which there's lots of negative ones too. <laughs> well, that's the thing with reviews. Nobody gets away with that without the negative ones. Let's talk about how you put together a course if you're going to teach, because I know there's a lot of uh, would-be academics who are not finding full-time positions right now, or maybe former teachers, or maybe just people looking for a side business. To quote Seth Godin, I, I believe that you already have everything you need to build something bigger than yourself. And everybody has one of these things. And if you have this and high-speed internet at home, you can teach as well. Anybody can do it. The barriers to entry are non-existent. Right. And so the best way to do it, if you want, is you can learn from my many, many mistakes. And I published a number of courses online that are free that teach you how to record and teach online based on mistakes I've made. Uh, and so to, to access those, just do a search on my name and, and Udemy, which is one of the websites I teach on. And, and you'll see a lot of courses that are free so that teachers can get up and running quickly. But just give us an idea. So you, you would have to what put together, what, 12 lesson plans or? Yeah, yeah. So um, I would say the more successful courses are the ones where you teach a tangible skill that you can, you can provide within the first five minutes of teaching. And so there has to be a lot of exercises immediately. It has to be hands-on in order for them to be successful. And it's part of what I refer to as educational Darwinism. You know, the, the courses that teach you tangible skills the fastest tend to rise to the top. And so if there's any teachers out there uh, that are thinking of teaching online, you can always reach out to me, please, um, through um, my email, which is chris at haroonventures.com. And I'd be happy to set up calls with you to help you out. Um, but all you do is you teach tangible skills that you think your students can use to be successful in the real world. Technology-wise, as I mentioned earlier, if you have this this is all you need. But when you're teaching these, Chris, do you mark things for people or you just, it's sort of one way, you don't hear back as you're doing the course? Yeah, so I, I teach on a bunch of platforms and uh, the way I set it up is there are quizzes uh, and it's multiple choice based, right? And so it's all, um, it, it's all already been built out. You know, I, I believe in bu building companies uh, where the overhead is very small. You write once, read many. So when I publish a course, it's available in every country in the world, a lot of times in lots of languages as well, and people can take it at their own pace and they have access to it forever. And that's the way all online courses work as well. I do have higher end products as well, uh, where I, I teach live, like I was teaching live this morning, uh, and I also do one-on-ones as well with students. Yeah. I'm going to ask about, we talked about different countries, but uh, are there different regional stories to this? Are there different things people are looking for in different parts of the world? Yeah, I, I think that for what I teach, business and personal development, it's global in nature. You know, the basics of business, building on an income statement, a balance sheet, or a business plan uh, is generic enough to be applied globally. And so whenever I create courses, whenever I advise on other teachers creating courses, Always try to think of casting your net as big as possible. Create the biggest total addressable market per se. So teaching a course on starting a company, make it generic enough so it applies in every single country, so to speak. You know, I'm trying to understand the difference between this and going to university. I can see the practicality of these courses, the use of these. I can see where companies use them, but it's not exactly the same as what you learn at the university. I'm thinking of, you know, I took economics undergraduate. 
these are not economics courses per se. I mean, there may be some that are offered, but it's sort of a complement to it. Yeah, I, I would say the drawbacks, to be intellectually honest, uh, for learning online is you don't get the same uh, social development. Yeah. You know, you, you need to fall in love and meet people and, and mature uh, when you're away at school, living away from home for the first time, so to speak. So I think the model of the future is going to be a hybrid approach, whereby instead of doing a four-year undergraduate degree of 13 hours a week and 100 grand, maybe it's two years supplemented with online as well. But online is not a one-time thing, right? We're talking about a lifetime of reskilling yourself and taking courses. Yeah, and anybody can start over. Like the amazing thing is that here in the United States, the average age for somebody starting a company is 52. And uh, I know you love economic statistics. Um, I don't know as many as, as you humbly, but um, since uh, from a demographic perspective, uh, since the 1950s, the average life expectancy globally is 26 years longer than it is today. And so anybody watching there that's 55, you're actually 29. And so you can start over anytime you want from anywhere in the world to skill up by taking online courses. Well, some of this is involuntary since you bring this up. People in their 50s are finding they're leaving their traditional careers, not because they want to. Now, where do you start if that's happened to you? There's a gazillion courses. First of all, whatever courses it is that, that people are gonna take, make sure you're passionate about it because if you're just doing it to, to make money quickly, um, it's not gonna work. It's gotta be something you love doing. For example, let's say that you're older and you've never programmed before. You can take online courses on how to program from scratch. They're fun, they're easy to take as well. And if it feels like you're passionate about it, like you're enjoying it, like it's a puzzle, then follow through with it because if you do what you're passionate about, I think that you know you will get a good job uh, in the, the sector you're most interested in and the money will follow accidentally. It always does. It's hopefully the case. Okay, so let's look at the future of this industry. I know you've alluded to this. You said we're at the beginning of this. What do you, how do you think it'll roll out over the next however many years? Yeah, so I, I think one thing that, um, that COVID has shown us over the past year, it's been awful, but companies can work from home, which is great. You no longer need to be in the office all the time. And you can learn from home as, as well. And I've got this, uh, coming off script here, sorry. I bought this mug for my wife. She works at a big company. It says, I survived another meeting that could have been an email. <laughs> and so I, I think that you'll be able to save a lot of time uh, by working from home, uh, taking courses from home as well. It's great for the environment. It's also great for family life, et cetera. And people have kind of realized over the past year, just look at the earnings from these big tech companies, that you can work remotely. You don't have to be in the office every day. And you can learn remotely as, as well. And so my vision of the world uh, in terms of education, uh, my long run vision has been pulled back by about 20 years because of COVID in the past year. And I've seen explosive growth online for demand for online education. You know, this it's here to stay. And you think, okay, I, the projections I've seen are that this industry grows by you know, 30 or 40% over the next five years. Yeah. And you think it'll be at the expense of traditional institutions. I do. I do, kind of like how Uber has destroyed the taxi market and Lyft as well. I think the same thing is going to happen with, with ed tech companies versus traditional universities. That's a scary thought, I think, for some. Uh, but an interesting thought in terms of how we will 
educate ourselves. Chris, thank you so much for talking to me. My pleasure. Thank you for your time. Appreciate it. Chris Arun is managing partner and founder of Arun Educational Ventures. Well, that's it for today. If you'd like to know more about Chris and his work, please check out our show notes. You'll find more there and some links. If you want to connect with me, I'm on Twitter at, at @relentlesseco. If you did enjoy this conversation, please take a moment and leave a rating or a review wherever you get your podcasts. Really help people to find us and help us continue these discussions about the future of work. Thank you so much for joining us today. And thanks as always to Stokely Audio for audio production. To learn more about work and the future and to see show notes, go to the workandthefuturepodcast.com. You can also contact us at comments at the workandthefuturepodcast.com. The Work in the Future podcast with Linda Nazareth is a relentless economics production. Thank you.